the will to win, where emerging entrepreneurs come to learn the best tips, strategies, and techniques to unlock their potential and become more successful. I'm your host, Steve Scani, and each week I will bring on the most incredible guests who are going to share their own unique stories, knowledge, wisdom, and insights about how they've been able to close the gap between failure and success, and then go on to live a life of greatness. Here at The Will to Win, we are dedicated to educating and inspiring you to be able to maximize your potential and make what seems impossible totally possible. The stress nutritionist from the United Kingdom. Welcome to the Will to Win show, episode number four. How do you feel? Um, just a quick. <laughs> um, it's it's Berska, not Bursa. My sincere apologies. Welcome to the show, Nicole Berska. Yeah. <laughs> oh, almost had a heart attack there. <laughs> So, yeah, feel free to fill us in on your story. What got you into nutrition and gut health and mental health, stress management? Uh, sure. So I started off um, way, a few, way back a few years ago. I was at university actually studying to be a makeup artist. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life at that point. At that point, you know, you're so young at that age and you just sort of go with what makes you feel good or what you think is right. So there I am in university and although I enjoyed the course, I felt that it lacked a bit of purpose or meaning and felt like there was a bit of a void there that I wanted to fill. And I started doing some more research around cosmetics and ingredients and how the ingredients that you find in most cosmetics today are actually full of crap. And as some people may know, the stuff that you put on your skin is actually absorbed and to the point where it can actually affect your hormones, um, your endocrine system. Yeah. So... As I started going down this rabbit hole, I ended up getting a part-time job in a natural cosmetic store in, in London. And they actually were really educational around inner health as much as outer health and improving, improving skin conditions like eczema, uh, psoriasis, uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, all sorts of conditions and linking it to inner health. And they really understood the importance about looking after the inner health to improve your skin. A lot of books in the shop, and I started reading a lot about herbal medicine, um, aromatherapy, massage, um, and one book in particular about nutrition. Mm. And having a bit of, bit of a background in biology, this, this book was hugely eye-opening for me i mm-hmm. i started reading it and i couldn't put it down you know customers would come in the store and i'd be like wait one minute <laughs> just, <laughs> just reading ahead uh, very sneaky yeah it, i i ended up buying my own copy and then just reading it at home at that point yeah. so it got a bit bad but the information i found there was just incredible and i just thought why the hell do we not learn this in school it's mm. it's such vital information um and I had my own like small 
health issues that were sort of just accept that I accepted, just thought mm. that that's just what happens and didn't give much thought of it. You know, little headaches here. Um, I had tendonitis. I had tongue ulcers at times. Mm. It was really, you know, just weird and strange, wacky symptoms. Um, and eventually, as I started improving my diet and experimenting with different things, I noticed a lot of these symptoms started um, fixing themselves and disappearing. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is this is really incredible. And I, from that moment on, I knew that I wanted to be a nutritional therapist and go down this route of learning everything I could about naturally improving the body without the use of drugs, um, wow. if, if possible. So there I was. At the end of my course, I ended up save, uh, working and saving up for um, a three-year nutritional therapy course. Um, that I managed to do uh, eventually. And through that, I started realizing that, um, well, doing the course, there was a lot of changes that happened to my life. Um, really? really? I, so what, yeah. what, what kind of changes are we talking about? So I went through a breakup and... What I found was the pandemic started slowly uh, approaching the UK. Mm. I had a lot of my friends start, sort of move on with their life. My best friend moved abroad. And uh, as the pandemic really kicked in, I started having more conflicts with my family. And mm -hmm. I started feeling really alone uh, to the point where I was uh, at this point, I had got a job with a supplement company that I really adored. And um, I invested 150% of my energy. And I was in my last year of studies at the same time. And I, I just started waking up feeling like I didn't really want to get out of bed anymore. Yeah, it's not a good feeling. Yeah, it's, it's uh, like nothing like this had ever happened to me. And my digestion started getting worse. And I, I had, mm -hmm. uh, coincidentally, every time I had like a bit of a mental breakdown, the next day, my digestion would just stop. It's like I wasn't—I wasn't hungry. I, I didn't know if I was full. Um, you know, I had all sorts of store issues as well, like not going to the toilet for ages. <laughs> and I just thought, how can this be? And the worse my mental health was, the worse my digestion was, and vice versa. And then, as my mental on the days my mental health was fairly good, my digestion was good. And I thought, how could this be? And I started doing more and more research into the gut-brain connection. And it turns out you have what's called the vagus nerve, which is a nerve that runs from the gut to your brain. And it has enough neurons to power the brain of a cat. Um, and wow, wow. this is why the gut is actually called your second brain. So, and, really? You know, really? I, a, I didn't know that. Yeah, as as a and you know this is why you know we have all these phrases in English uh, where it's it's just a metaphorical phrase, but they actually hold a lot of truth to them. You know, stuff like oh, I just feel it in my gut, or um, mm. I have a bad feeling about this. And it's it, it turns out there's there's a lot, and when it comes to the brain and the gut, they might as well just be one organ because of how heavily connected they are, and. Most people, you know, when they start to feel stressed, they, they realize that their appetite will completely change. So 
Mm. This it's it's really something that hasn't had that much focus on, and uh, up until now, obviously now there's more and more mm. research going into this connection, and especially with the microbiome and all the bacteria that live in your gut, and how they affect the the brain as well, and and we're starting to see that they also secrete neurotransmitters and hormones, and these travel up the wow. up the up the up to the brain as well. So there's there's all this research that I started realizing that it's not there's there's more to the picture than than mm. you know people initially thought so here i am you know struggling with my own um health journey and you know i was doing the best i can with food you know having mm. omega 3s i was um taking a lot of anti-inflammatory supplements digest digestive bitters um i you know, I, I noticed I started reacting to a lot of foods that I never reacted to, stuff like chickpeas, peanut butter, you know, anything mm. with fat in, them, in, in it. Um, I, I couldn't touch bread, and I just, I just didn't know what was going on. And before this, I could eat everything without an issue. Funny enough, I was that started putting me in a, into a better mood. So that was like the first hint that you know. There was something that I was missing in my life that mm. I noticed would start improving my mental health. And so, and are you saying that there there is a link between good mental health and your relationships? So, if your relationships are going well, it means that you're going to have great mental health. Is that right? Exactly, exactly, a hundred percent. And <laughs> this is. Uh, uh, I'm coming up to now to the pinnacle of when I really discovered this. And that was when I, and this was now towards Christmas time. So, you know, the time that you're meant to spend with family and the conflicts with my family at the time had made it so that I'd actually rather be alone during Christmas. But in that time, my health got worse. And I started getting infections. I had a kidney infection that started getting worse. Um, and I actually had to go to the hospital on Christmas Day to get emergency oh, antibiotics my God. for this. And that that was the lowest point, I think, for oh. me. And at that point, I said, screw this. I've had enough of this, hmm. of this life. And at the same time, I was already... Um, looking at ways to to go abroad because i just thought i just yeah. i just need to get away um and, and 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 find something else and in in the back of my mind i just thought I, i'd like to try living in france for a bit why not, um, why not? just like just <laughs> i i don't know what else to do so i found an opportunity to teach them english when i was uh, in the french alps but screw it let's do it and and the dad actually texted me on this day where i went to the hospital and he was like oh we just moved to the french alps uh we'd love to have mm. you if you're still uh interested and i said yep i'm packing my bags and then <laughs> i'm i'm booking a ferry and i'm driving because i don't know what else to, <laughs> what else to do yeah. so i arrive in france uh obviously not knowing anyone apart from well this family that i met online <laughs> <laughs> and um, slowly and slowly, my mental health started to improve. And I, I had this, um, what, I, what I noticed is that even though my food wasn't as 
good as it normally is because I was eating what they were feeding me. So white mm. pasta, white pasta, white rice. I immediately felt okay. Sometimes I could feel like bloated at times, but mm. slowly my mental health started improving. And I thought, how could this be? The nutrition I'm having is worse, mm. but I'm feeling better. And that's when I started to really research into what is going on. And it turns out that when you are hanging around with uh, people and you do have this family feeling, what's actually happening is your brain is recognizing that you are in a safe place. Like you are, you are safe. And you start secreting all these hormones like oxytocin and serotonin. And it turns out serotonin is needed for your thyroid hormones to work. Oh, really? Yeah. So your thyroid is um, a gland that sits, sits in the throat and it produces thyroid hormones. And these thyroid hormones are needed to tell every single cell in your body to create energy, ATP. And it also, uh, it also tells the gut to, um, to move a bit like a hamster wheel. So to mm. sort of rev the engine. And you also have serotonin, which um, tends to be lower in people with depression. Uh, but serotonin is also needed for gut motility to move the gut along. Uh, wow. Yeah. So I started realizing, oh my gosh, my mind, my thoughts, and my beliefs actually creating these hormones in my body that is affecting my physical health. And, and this is when I, my mind just sort of blew up into thinking, oh my gosh, everything around me is going to be affecting the hormones and, and thus mm. my physical health. So what, one, one other thing I, I realized is that the predominant long-term stress hormone, cortisol, is... Um, when you have a lot of it in the body, it begins to suppress serotonin. So this is why there's this is why there's a huge link between people with depression and high amounts of stress in their life. Mm. And it doesn't matter what that stress could be. If you perceive it as stress, if you perceive it as thing something in your life that is a big task for you or uh, something that you cannot overcome or adapt to, you're going to see that as something that is that is heavy, that is a struggle, and that is already going to affect your physiology. Mm. So this is why I started specializing in mental health and, and digestion because the two are hand in hand. And when you start to improve your mental health, your digestion starts to improve. And when you improve your digestive health, then your mental health will also improve. Like the, the the two are, are so interlinked. So yeah, this is this is really what I found really fascinating, and I thought, you know what, the world should know more about this, and maybe it can help some people out there, as it did for me. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, you, you've, you've spoken about a lot of links between mind, body, digestion, mental health mental health and relationships and I think there's a few other links that you might have mentioned earlier that maybe you might be able to collaborate on or any other ideas or or insights that you picked up in your journey. It's funny because I, I started reading a book called Homo Sapiens as well because I... Yeah, I've read that myself. Yeah, it kept cr cropping up. 
And it started making more and more sense uh, of, of this link. And it, it, it basically is saying that anything in your life that makes you feel that is helping you survive, then this is going to usually secrete these positive hormones. And anything in life that makes you feel that it's interrupting your chances of survival, that is going to decrease um, these hormones and in fact increase, you know, your stress hormones. And this is a part, uh, this is a huge part of stress management. A lot of people in the sort of mindfulness field will tell you, you know, work on yoga, meditation, um, cold water exposure. And whilst all these things are brilliant and have great research behind them, there's still a massive piece of the puzzle that I think a lot of people are missing. And that is to make sure that your social circles are nice and strong. Um, you know, get to a point where you can start rebuilding any conflicts you've had in your life that you may find is important. Um, I eventually, I, and, and it got to the point where, you know, for some, for some people it might be taking a step back. And then working on them from a distance. So in, in my case, it, that that's what I started doing. I started rebuilding my family connections and moving forward, you know, moving through these conflicts, um, and really, really, and making sure that you have like a strong uh, base of of connections, and you know, whether that be friendships or relationships with work with colleagues um, or your significant other or your housemates they all play a role in helping you survive um, and with homo sapiens for example it mm. does it does say that you know we are predominantly a social species and it's the reason why the human race has evolved mm. so much is because we did prioritize um, human connections um one yeah, there's one particular study that now is coming to mind is okay. one one study where um, there was a, a study of monkeys, and what they had is a group of baby monkeys, and they wanted to see if the baby monkeys would prefer food over um, emotional um, touch, sort of emotional okay. um, fulfillment. So they had two surrogate mother monkeys. One was made out of this really nice fake fur uh, fabric. And the other one was made out of a wire mesh that had uh, food, that had uh, milk to give. And what they found is most of the baby monkeys, they prefer to be with the fake uh, monkey, uh, mother monkey with the fabric, with the nice fake fur. And then they would occasionally go to the wire mother monkey to get their food and then go back to the, yep, yep. to the nice one. Wow. It's all, you know, you know, and that's it, that they started to realize, Oh, actually, you know, maybe food isn't like the most predominant need. It's actually, you know, mm. a, a comfort. Um, and this really started to open doors between as well with, with humans and how mm. humans actually do need to feel comforted and socially fulfilled and then they will look into meeting their other needs and that tends to happen as well you know for people that have maybe gone through a breakup or they have gone they've lost someone really close to them yeah. in their lives they what they'll they'll find is that their appetite changes after and they don't actually mm. feel like eating usually 
Um, and that's what happens when the body is under a particular type of stress where they've lost something very dear to them that, that supported them in a, in a mm. different way. So this is, this is one realization that I think a lot of people need to have is connections contribute to our survival and well-being, and then that will mm. contribute to mental stability and good mental health. And then from that, what you'll find is the body, but the body's physical health starts to improve. Mm. And they thought, well, what's the link there? What's, between, what's the link between mental health and physical health? Mm. And that's when you can start to look at the nervous system for this. So the nervous system, uh, the autonomic nervous system in particular, has got two branches. You've got sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system. So one is responsible, the sympathetic nervous system is responsible for upregulating certain uh, parameters in the body. So um, improving the heart, uh, so speeding up heart rate. Um, yeah. It's it's all about getting things done. So when you have stress hormones in the body, adrenaline, cortisol, and, and so forth, mm -hmm. the, sy the sympathetic nervous system is all about get up and go. Let's, let's, it's do mode, essentially. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is mostly activated when you're resting. So when you're in a place of relaxation, and this is why a lot of these um, stress management techniques are really good because that's exactly yep. what it does. It activates the parasympathetic nervous system. And then when, uh, when this nervous system is activated, your body prioritizes blood flow to your digestive organs, to your immune system, to reproductive hormones. And all these areas will start to get more regulation. And I guess you could call it a thrive state. Now, it, it seems to be that most people tend to be in the sympathetic nervous system. And, you know, there's mm. some people that are always in that mode and, and then mm. they don't shut down. And what happens with that is eventually those people are more susceptible, um, immune infections, um, hormone dysregulation, digestive issues, of course. Um, and then, but that can happen even if you're not in do mode, but your brain is still mm. in do mode. So you could be lying down, but you can yeah. still be thinking about, you know, what you're making for dinner or what work that needs to be done. Um, or, you know, you're thinking about like a fight that you had with a family member yeah. or, or partner. That takes the energy away from you. It makes you feel unhappy, miserable. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not in your ultimate state. Exactly. Um, so, when you have, uh, when you're doing, uh, when you're having, uh, doing activities such as yep, yep. socializing with friends, with family, with uh, housemates, with your significant other, that is what is really helping you go into the parasympathetic mode and. Mm. Di your more blood flow to the digestive organs and so on. Incredible. And this is really people need to wake up to is one, you know, you can do all the, you can do all the cold water plunges in the yeah. world, optimize yeah. your nutrition, but there is so much about this side of health that maybe is not as well spoken about. No, people don't touch on it much at all. Yeah. This link between our mental health in relationships. It's all about solutions and changing your diet getting your exercise, yeah. but when do we talk about relationships? We do, but not as much as we should. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, there's you could even put uh, you know you could touch upon traumas even. And I know this mm. traumas is, some, is something that's getting more and more spoken about. And mm. but I don't think people actually realize how they relate to um, health and well-being. And I'll, no, they don't. And uh, what I find is a lot of people are starting to get more awareness because of the ACE study that was done. So the ACE study was a study done by a psychologist um, where he looked at the adverse childhood events uh, that happened to people. Mm. So these are sort of, you know, Gabor Mate is, is a very famous speaker and, and he, I guess you yep, could yep. look to him if you want to find out more about, you know, traumas, but Sure. What they for the people that don't know, for example, is that what what they found is people who had these small traumas. So this includes uh, witnessing your parents have fights or uh, seeing alcohol uh, alcoholism in the family, drugs. Um, if your parents were separated, um, if you were emotionally neglected, which is a lot of people, which were physically neglected uh, or abandoned or if you were uh, subject to emotional, physical, sexual abuse in any kind, mm. in, in any way, then there's a, few, uh, there's a few others as well. But they tend to be kind of small, tra- small, unpleasant activities that happen to you as a child. And some of yes. us experience more, than, more of these than others. And the higher your ACE score, the more subject you are to a lot of physical diseases. So you're almost twice as likely, for example, to get depression if you have an A score of three or more. Um, heart disease, obesity, Alzheimer's, a lot of these inflammatory conditions are linked to a higher A score. Mm. So, you know, when, when you're a child, you are so, so sensitive to the relationships around you to the point where your, your entire existence is dependent on the people around you. Like you also like whether you live or you die is dependent on how close you are with your parents and family. Mm. Like that, that is at the core of this essence here. So, for the people who experience any kind of any kind of event where their relationship with the family and parents around them were at stake, they automatically received a stress response in their bodies. And mm. this, this, this then relates because as they grow older, they start to develop a certain kind of relationship style, um, and mm. um, social, social skills and emotional intelligence and, and everything that comes with communication between human beings. That's all developed when you're a child. So if you have a lot of these traumas, you're carrying all these uh, skills or lack of skills into your adulthood, and that will affect mm. how well you relate to other human beings and how strong those connections are um, with, well, as you're older. So mm. the more relationship stability you had as a child, usually the stronger your relationship stability is as, a, as an adult. Oh, I totally agree. Um, so that's that's... Obviously, this is getting more attention now, which is great. Uh, then you can start to see how that might play into 
adulthood and why, you know, you might experience certain conflicts with your relationships as an adult and absolutely, and then go down this whole, uh, you know, poor, poorer mental health, poorer physical health. Mm-hmm. And, and often people who go through mental, physical, psychological abuse, they have certain patterns that have developed They've developed as a kid, as you sort of explained, but then they don't recognize them, how they're affecting them later in life. So they can work out what that destructive pattern is, the what's causing it, what triggered it, and find a way to change the way they deal with that pattern or the pattern, change the pattern. Well, then they can... Enhance mental health, but maybe you can expand on that a bit more in a bit more detail. Yeah, I mean, this is this is starting to diverge into, um, I mean, relationship psychology and and mm. uh, social skills. But it, mm. it, I think there isn't that many books about it or, or teachers, mm. if you will, but how to actually be emotionally intelligent with other human beings mm. and start to really nourish and care. Um, I think especially the younger generation, they do have this sort of throwaway mentality where it's like, okay, I don't need you. I can find someone else. And Mm. they're very quick to get rid of a lot of relationships in their current life. And uh, they don't maybe actively work on creating new ones. Even if people do start working on their current relationships or new relationships, they're very quick to give up and mm. they, they they don't try to put in a lot of effort into sustaining that re- new relationship. Um, mm. So it's, and, and then, yeah, just social skills in general, empathy, for example, communication, body language, a lot of these skills that ideally we should have received in childhood or growing up or at school even is, is, you have to learn that from, you know, just an observation and, and maybe watching people who do have these mm. skills and seeing how what they do differently and mm. picking up on them. Um, and I think that's, you know, especially if you're a very observational human being, mm. that's something that you might pick up fairly easily. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, when they get offended by someone, that is usually a message saying that deep down they have something that reminded them of a past event that hurt them. And then it's a case of stepping back a little bit and trying to process that because usually at that point you've not been able to process that feeling, you know, that feeling of being not valued, not important, for example, for some of us it might be, or feeling abandoned or whatever it may be. Um, it's, you know, going, taking yourself to a safe sp- a safe mm. space and allowing yourself to feel that emotion, allowing yourself to feel mm. the, the anger, the grief, the sadness, because in today's society, <laughs> we don't like to, yep. we don't like to handle negative emotions very much. You know, it's, it's very much, all right, let's everyone be positive. Uh, yeah. Look on the bright side. Um, you know, how many human beings do you know that can actually sit with your sadness, sit with your anger, sit mm, with your many. grief? <laughs> no. Um, and, and this is why, you know, sometimes if you're the only person that can sit with that, that's all it takes. 
Um, so it, you yourself, you know, go to a place where you can do that and feel that. Yeah. Um, so it's just about acknowledging our pain, that it's there, that it exists, and then just being able to move on once you've sort of worked through it. Uh-huh. So it's, 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 it's dealing with your pain instead of avoiding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's easier said than done, you know. Mm. A, lo- a lot of people are like, oh, they need to, they've got anger issues or they need to deal with that, right? And mm. But a lot of people don't know how. Um, mm. One thing that I tell a lot of my clients is to yes. journal. Like this is by far one of the best things that I've come across into helping process a lot of uh, past emotions is just getting a journal and especially when you do feel offended or triggered is going to that safe space and, you know, writing it out and saying, I feel angry. I feel, you know, my, my stomach feels disgusted and, or whatever, whatever the physical sensations that you may feel as well as Mm. the emotional ones and, and, you know, try and put a name to a a lot of people can't even name their emotions. They'll feel something and they they just like, they're stuck. You know, <laughs> just okay. Go, go away, Jerry. Sometimes it's just starting off. Shut up, Jerry. Keep talking. <laughs> no, but you're right. That's how people tend to, you know, deal with things mm. these days. It's mm. just like, oh, I feel this, and then moving on. It's yeah. Start by giving it a name, um, mm. giving it, you know, understanding where it's coming from. And, you know, you can write down stuff like, oh, this reminded me of the time where I was six years old and I was in the kitchen and my Mm. mom was cooking and she wanted to make food for a dinner party that was way more important than me. And I started crying and she didn't care. You know, just something along the lines of that. And what you might find is along this along this journey of journaling is you're, you might start to feel those emotions again and they get worse and worse and worse, but that means you're doing it right. And I think this is, this is the struggle where a lot of people is that when they start to feel the feeling get worse and worse and worse, and they, they start feeling that they're about to break down. That's when they stop, but they need to allow it and, and, and surrender to that and mm-hmm. understand that it's okay. You know, understand yep. that they're they're allowed to break down. They're allowed to yep. surrender, and and they're allowed to cry or be angry or shout or whatever they need to do. It's okay. That's it. And and this is the thing is like when you're growing up, a lot of these emotions you're told not to do, so we don't do them. But mm. then they get stuck, and then we need to do it at a later date. Otherwise, they just bite us in the ass. Mm. <laughs> and there's and there's, there's nothing <laughs> wrong wrong with being vulnerable because when we're vulnerable. It enables us to heal. And I think that's that's how we get out of these unresolved conflicts, these traumas, is giving, surrendering and giving ourselves the opportunity to heal. And you've obviously gone into detail about about that. And, and what's your take sort of more on the healing side? Like going from acknowledging the pain then to transitioning into healing. My take on taking the pain and transitioning into healing. Well, once you, first of all, being aware of the pattern Mm. is Mm. already a massive step. Like if you can just be aware, then you're doing a ton of work that a lot of people don't do. So just being aware of this 
pattern that you have um, or, or the sensitivity that you have. Um, second of all, if you can, and, and it will come and go. So when you, you know, if you journal uh, and you find that you do process these emotions and experience that, it quite often it's not just a case of doing it once and that's it. But what you what you might find you'll feel a bit tired and maybe the next day you feel lighter and you can get on and then you feel much better generally. But maybe a few months later it happens again. And mm. what generally happens is that there's layers that you need to go through and yeah. it's it's kind of like digging a hole and then finding stuff as you go. And, you know, mm. you have to sort of dig the first bone out <laughs> or the first corpse yeah. out and then you can keep yeah. on digging and then you can get the second one out and so on and so forth. So it's um, a process. It's, it's, not, it's not instant. Yeah. Just because you deal with one layer doesn't mean there isn't other layers that you need to work through. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, you know, the worst of trauma, that's that's definitely usually going to be the case. It's, it, mm. there's a, it's going to come up in your life again. And as you get used to dealing with it, though, as you start to accept the process a little bit more, you'll mm. find it, it it's it's a lot of a smoother, a smoother process. And you will start to find that, changes are a lot easier to make generally. And I think that's, you know, a lot of people might ask, you know, how do I know when I'm healed or how do I know this is working? And there is no straight up answer like, oh, an angel will come down and tell you that you're fully really healed. You know, there's, there's no uh, amazing, yeah, it's, it, there's no miracle that happens, but mm. it's, it's an over time you'll find that you just start to make different choices in life mm. and it's slightly easier to make certain choices in life. And there's very small shifts that begin to happen and, you know, small decisions that happen over a few days or a few weeks, mm. you know, a year later, you might find you have a complete different life. It's, it's a smooth process. And, and then learning, learning what contributes to making you feel good and and you know, moving towards that and 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 then that starts to you know respecting your uh, respecting your desires a little bit more and mm. and going for them it start and that that process becomes a little bit easier i guess it's about adopting patterns of behavior that make you feel good replacing those old patterns that were limiting us um, affecting our mental health and just being aware of those new patterns, I think, is, yeah. is really important. And, and, and sadly, you're the only person that will know that. You know, there's no, mm. there's no good friend or, or speaker or guru that can tell you what to do because this is mm. something that is very deep within you. Um, and sometimes it's not logical. Me moving abroad was not logical at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the biggest significant change that happened to my life that turned my mental health around like 180 degrees incredible so for anyone else who who is thinking about making uh, a positive change then you know it doesn't matter how illogical it sounds if you know that you get happy from thinking about it then that's mm. that's your sign <laughs> So it could, it could quite easily lead to your biggest breakthrough. 
Hmm. or a life-changing uh, circumstance, or what's the word, experience something that changes your life because you chose to take that leap of faith, even though you didn't feel like it was right or that you were a bit afraid about it, but you did it anyway. Mm. Yeah, courage. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, courage. It's um, it's powerful, but it tends to happen. Like the more the more you respect your desires and wishes, and mm. you start to learn how to love yourself a little bit better, then that naturally comes. Absolutely. Wow, we've covered so much during this episode with you, Nicole. <laughs> we did, yeah. And you have shared some incredible insights. Um, you certainly opened up my mind more about mental health relationships and mind-body connection. So thank you so much for sharing your experience, your expertise, your story. It's been incredible. No problem. It's been and, a pleasure. And before we finish up, Feel, feel free to share a bit about you, how people can connect with you, get in touch with you if they want to find out more. Yeah, um, so I have a website, thestressnutritionist.com. So uh, people can always go there for more information. Um, there's a few articles on there that they might relate to um, or if they just want to read a little bit more. Um, otherwise, I'm on uh, social media handles as well. Feel free to reach out to me there. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Nicole Berska. I got it right this time. You did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all done. Thanks. And thank you for letting me tell my story. And it's been nice connecting with you. Likewise. Thank you for listening to The Will to Win. I hope today's episode was overflowing with value and helped inspire you to make what seems impossible totally possible. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. And if you got value from this episode, it would make such a huge difference if you could just take one minute of your time to leave me a five-star rating and review, then screenshot this episode, share it on your story, and tag me in. And until next time... Don't forget to remember that nothing is impossible.